list a thing before the movie Bucket List? Maybe? I only heard it after that, but maybe that just popularized it? Probably. What's on your bucket list? Do you have anything on there? Sleep on a train. It's not great. It's quite terrible, actually. But like in a sleeper car? Okay, yeah, I guess. Like in like the fancy train, like like a train. Like I I know we could afford to sleep on a train right now, but like (laughs) I'm thinking like the luxury like sleeping car. I want to burn someone in effigy. I've never burned an effigy before. Oh, seems fun. Every time I see it, it looks like a good time. Oh, it looks like there's lots of dancing involved. Sure, yeah, like dancing, celebrating, maybe shooting guns in the air. Mm, Maybe some drinking. Probably. I think you have to be at least a little drunk before you get to the point where you're building an effigy (laughs) of someone. I think while you build the effigy, because it's a craft time. Yeah. You're drinking one for that. Oh, I could get I could get into that. And then you burn the effigy while drunk, I assume. And what what would your effigy be of? The Queen of Genovia, Mia Thermopolis. (laughs) (laughs) Down with the tyrant. Oh my god. Oh, welcome everyone to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. And we're part of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. My name is Indy, down with the tyrant Randawa, and with me is my lovely co-host, Samantha Sparkly Tiara Hees. Oh, I should have put my tiara on. No, no podcasting in tiaras. It's so hot today. I'm going to tell you something out there, podcast audience. You don't want to know, and this is something that I do not want to tell you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not wearing a shirt right now. (laughs) It's so hot. It is so hot. It's um, another really hot week, and this will go down in history as a hot summer. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This is why I'm not a weather person. What a pronouncement. It was hot that summer. (laughs) I think it actually is the hottest on record. Yes, we're breaking records You could say it that way, not just... A hot summer. I was trying not to be sensationalist. But, <laughs> but it literally and is I undershot the hottest it. ever. <laughs> yes, I know. I really undershot it because I was trying not to be like, whoa. It's the hottest since uh, 1910 when all of the records burned in that heat wave. Oh, that's what happened. We have no records before that. I thought we just didn't care about weather. <laughs> Well, today we are going to be talking about The Princess Diaries, a favorite of Samantha's, at least when she was 15, possibly still, and something that I'm watching for the first time. But before we get into that, Samantha has a word from one of our sponsors. Yes, this episode of I Love This, You Should Too is brought to you by the Business Council of Alberta. If you are passionate about Alberta and its future, check out The Brief, an Alberta Better podcast series presented by the Business Council of Alberta. Co-hosts of The Brief, Sean Crockett and Brittany Brander, talk to Alberta's business leaders, innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs about the big challenges Albertans are facing, from unemployment to childcare to mental health and economic diversification. They also celebrate the stories of growth, innovation, prosperity, and discover bold ideas that aim to make life better for Albertans. You can find new episodes of The Brief on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. You can also listen at businesscouncilab.com slash Podcast. That's businesscouncilab.com slash Podcast. New episodes drop every other Tuesday. Nice. I'm going to have to check that out. 
Which one of those categories do you fall into? I think I'm a business disruptor because I like to go in and just like, hey, what are you guys doing? And it's like knock things on the ground, just really disrupt things. I don't think that's what they mean by disruptor. I'm pretty sure it is. You know what? Let's listen to the podcast and find out. They'll probably describe it to <laughs> us. Well, Samantha, let's get into it. The Princess Diaries. First off, um, it's your pick. Mm-hmm. But does it hold up for you? Did it bring out your 15-year-old self again? Yes. I am still so very into this movie. Like completely? Yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. it uh, It's aged, obviously, but um, I don't... As have we all. As have we all. Some more than others. Yeah. I'm going to like be so much older than you in a couple of years. You'd think it'd be the same gap. Yeah. But I'm aging much harder, <laughs> much harder aging oh, than you. That sounds painful. It is. It is <laughs> constant pain. My oh, back hurts right now. I know. So I definitely felt the uh, age that it's from. Um, I think that uh, some parts of it, like the fashion and some of the things... Uh, that the actors are saying uh, don't really sound right now, like current. Oh, okay, I'm going to ask you about that a little more later because sure. I'm curious to what you think didn't age well. Um, but overall, I think that there isn't too many like cringe moments where things are like no longer politically correct. Okay, like, yeah, I'll agree the, with that. Some of the movies from this time that I've brought to you, I feel like... There's some things that are a little cringeworthy um, because we're not saying things um, openly anymore. Wait, it's... you just say it when no one's around. <laughs> no, no, no. I just meant like you're not using it in common conversation. So you just rude. have it like in private conversation. <laughs> I just go into the bathroom at work and scream it. <laughs> oh, what are you saying? <laughs> when you keep saying it, it kind of sounds like you're talking about the N-word. <laughs> no, no. Um, I don't actually have a word that I would use as an example. And I don't go into the bathroom and scream. <laughs> <laughs> at least nothing bad. <laughs> nothing bad. You're just happy when you go in the bathroom and scream. <laughs> yeah. It's a happy scream. <laughs> I vouch for Samantha. Uh, she sleeps next to me and she does talk in her sleep. She does not use any offensive words. Really? Yeah. What do I usually say? You kind of sound like you're having a stroke. <laughs> you're like, Tramson on the Pulver Darbin. And I'm like, what is, what about Tramson on Powerful Darbin? Screamo Mentavar. And I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for pointing that out. And then you'll be like, Screebadoo, Harbishamala. Is that more creepy or less creepy than when I just laugh in my sleep? Less. Yeah, when you laugh, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, like that. The point of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I brought you the 2001 hit movie, The Princess Diaries. Did you love it? I did not. Oh, no. I didn't hate it. Okay. I didn't love it. Okay. And I think this episode is going to do something bad because I think this movie, the more you think about it and the more you talk about it, the worse it gets. Oh, no. During the movie, I was liking it. Right after, I thought about things and I was like, oh, yeah, that was dumb. Why would they do that? And then... Today I sat down to write some notes and I was just getting like progressively more angry. I'm no. like, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. This was stupid. Why does this happen? So I think it's a movie that is best enjoyed once and ideally in 2001 when you're 14. Oh, okay. 
I don't know if this movie it will gain new fans. Mm-mm. Okay. Even amongst 14-year-old girls. Really? Because I truly believe... I have two, like, nieces that are between 12 and 15. I feel like that's the target audience. I think they would not like this movie at all. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I, uh... I don't totally disagree with you. I think this was a different kind of generation. Maybe. I'm not sure. I think, yeah, there must be some generational gaps. And I think a lot of the messaging in this movie is is antiquated a mm-hmm. bit. And when I talk to kids today, and I talk to a, a lot of kids from my work, they're uh, a little more on top of things yes. than we were, I think. Kids... Who are 14 now are very different from when we were 14, I Well, think. I think they're often like I was when I was 14, but right. I was a weirdo then. But being, like, socially progressive and conscious when I was 14, mm-hmm. not the norm. But today it definitely is. So I wonder if a lot of these messages would not be the greatest. But we'll get into yes, all of that kind will. of stuff. But overall, it's fun. It's an enjoyable movie in a lot of ways. It has some good performances, some less good. (laughs) Uh, But I just think it wasn't as clear and focused as it could have been. So I'm not saying like this is a garbage movie. They should all feel ashamed of themselves. I'm saying I was most frustrated because it feels like this could have been made much better with small changes. Right. Okay. I'm interested to know what those changes are. As long as you don't get very, very angry. Well, that's the other part now. I, mm. You know, uh, in a movie like this, I'm going to have to have like one rant about yes. what's wrong with it in a philosophical way. Okay. Should I do that right off the beginning or save it to the end? Why don't you start with that now? Okay. And then we will not touch on this kind of more serious problem with the movie. And we'll just talk about like light little fun things after yes, this. Yes, exactly. How long do I get? Like three minutes? Do you want me to set a timer? No, I just need to ballpark it. Um, yeah, three minutes. First off, this movie perpetuates a very classic thing that there's no progress without conforming to accepted beauty standards. Curly hair is bad. You should feel bad if you have it. Thick eyebrows are bad. You're pretty much worthless if you have those as well. The narrative isn't like, be who you are and you will succeed. It's not that at all, which should be the narrative of a movie about a 15-year-old discovering who she really is. That should be the narrative, but instead it's conform to our beauty standards and then you'll have a chance of success. But then when you watch a movie like this, you just have to think like, what about all of us who are those perpetual before pictures? Like, I'm not going to be that after picture. The point of this movie is anyone can be beautiful, but that's not true. Not everyone is going to look like Anne Hathaway. Right. You're just not. And the majority of 15-year-old girls watching this, I don't think they are going to be like, yeah, I can look like that too. They'll just be like, well, what do I do? I'm just, I'm the before. Mm -hmm. I'll always be the before. And I wish we could change that way of thinking. I guess we're getting into a point now where people are like, Everything is beautiful. And that's a great way of thinking, but Mm -hmm. I personally don't subscribe to that. I'm kind of like, why does it matter? Right. One of the other big differences between you and I, you are very physically attractive. I am not. But I'm fine with it. But you are. In your mind, but you have bad (laughs) taste in that. And I'm thankful for that. 
I do not. <laughs> in their physical appearance, when you tell me which celebrities you think are attractive, I'm like, oh, no. And she thinks I'm good looking. So that, that's Keanu not. Reeves? Oh, well, he. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that one. That's true. But what I'm saying is we're getting into this thinking now of like, everyone is beautiful. I don't think we need to do that. I think we should just say it doesn't matter. I'm not a good looking guy. That's fine. I got other good things going for me. I can cook. You might not know it from this podcast. I'm quite nice. I have lots of things. <laughs> I, I listen to people's stories and I care deeply. You grow a good beard. I grow a good beard. Yeah. Not very good looking, but that's You're fine. Extremely good looking. That's your opinion and it is a minority opinion. <laughs> okay. But either way, I think that that is a valuable message, but that's not going to be a message in something like this. And then I have to talk about monarchies in general very briefly, because that is kind of at the heart of the problem of this movie. And it's not just like, well, Indy doesn't like monarchies. It's the message that what you do doesn't matter as long as you have the right blood in you. It's genetic that you're chosen to be a good person or a bad person. And that's a part of this movie. And I know you don't want to think about that because you're like, yeah, but that's not really what it's about. But at the heart of the movie, it really is. And one of the things that upsets me most about um, like all the YA fiction I read is that the talented or magical kid is just born with those natural powers. Mm. They don't do anything to earn it or distinguish themselves through any sort of like a character development. And that's why I was disappointed with the last trilogy of Star Wars when they said, oh, actually, Rey is from a line of powerful people. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you say that anyone can have that power? Why do we perpetuate this idea that only the powerful can beget more powerful people? Mm -hmm. You can only be good if you come from someone good. And being good isn't what you do with your character, but rather who you were born as. Right. And that's that's damaging in so many ways. Like, this is a plot for the 1400s when the only upward mobility is just finding out you belong to a rich family. That's the only way you get ahead. And because those people are better than you and they were chosen by God because they're royal, so that's why they deserve those things. And... Like that whole idea that people, some people are just better is epitomized by monarchies. And it continues today from like companies suggesting that we should be thankful to work for them. And like any company that does that, fuck them. Like it's the opposite. You should be thanking us for working working for you. Or like any sort of um, celebrity who we think their opinions matter. Like, hey, you're great at playing guitar. What kind of coffee do you drink? It doesn't matter. Why do we think that people who are good at one thing are good at all things and their opinions mean more than ours? So there you go. That's that's my big rant. I don't like the idea that you are just born better than someone. And this movie does perpetuate that. I don't think they're doing it very intentionally. I think they're a product of that way of thinking. And then because of that, they're also perpetuating that whole thing. I think you need to breathe. Did you breathe through that whole speech? I don't have time to breathe, Samantha. (laughs) I'm full of rage and chocolate milk. It's true. He did just drink chocolate milk. I love it. It's the only thing that calms my rage. Oh, too much rage hall. I can't live without rage hall. I know you can. Or chocolate milk. I'm a rage all right, well, that's all my serious stuff out of the way. Do you have any response to that or just moving on? Um, I think we'll just move on. All right, there you have it. Samantha admits that I am right by refusing to rebut me. 
<laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so I think we need to start our discussion off with going over kind of the main characters. Sure. Um, and then we'll kind of move into plot. But um, this movie stars a young Anne Hathaway who plays Mia Thermopolis. What did you think of Anne Hathaway? I thought she's quite good. I don't think she reached peak charm Anne Hathaway that we see in like what Ella Enchanted a couple of years mm-hmm. later. But I think uh, film debut, I thought she was quite good. How'd you like her performance? I really like her. And I didn't realize this was like her first big movie mm-hmm. that she'd done. And uh, I think she seems like a natural. Like it makes sense that she's so popular now because she's just a good actress. <laughs> yes. And I think also some of her natural awkwardness is probably coming mm-hmm. through as well. Yeah. You can definitely see that a little bit. Um, her kind of awkwardness and like unpolishedness because i feel like at this stage in her career she might not have been as polished as she is now definitely so mia is the princess of genovia she has no style and gets a big makeover what did you think of the makeover montage i thought it was a wasted opportunity I agree. It was not as good as it could be. I think it was still one of the highlights of the movie. Uh But a makeover montage, that's when you really have fun with it. And they did a little, like, oh, the brush broke in her hair because it's curly and curly people should be ashamed of themselves. (laughs) Nobody said that. (laughs) The movie totally says that. Absolutely, 100% it does say that. Okay. But... I don't know. It wasn't as fun as it could have been, along with like the lessons that she gets from yeah. her grandmother. I was really thinking there's going to be lots of fun bits there. And that's kind of one of those parts where it's not bad. Yeah. I feel like it could have been heightened. Absolutely. I think um, they could have had a little bit more fun with it. Um, but I think that they were trying to stay very true to the book. Were they? Because I just did a little bit of research about the book and I just kind of looked up changes they made. And it seems like they changed it drastically. Hmm, maybe I haven't read the book in 20 years. <laughs> but um, yeah, I definitely think that they could have had a little bit more fun um, with it. I mean, they put this over-the-top character in there with these two, like, very bored-looking models. Oh, Paolo. Paolo. Let's talk about Paolo for yeah. a quick minute here. Um, I forget that actor's name, but I think he was also in Pretty Woman. Oh, yeah, this is just, like, a Pretty Woman for teenagers. Yeah. But, like, it has the same characters. Like, actors. Does it? Yeah. I think Pretty Woman's better, but that's, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but yet he, although one of the funnier parts, was also pretty bad. Because he had an accent, usually. But it varied from Italian to Eastern European to just not having one. It was kind of just all over the place. It was very all over the place. But I think that was supposed to be part of his character because he's clearly putting on this facade oh so you think paolo is an american pretending to be italian yes whoa i think you might be giving it too much credit i think and maybe i am uh but i think that he knows that all like you know the best salon stylists and everything are but he is he's the stylist to the royal family yeah so he like they gotta check those credentials. She was like, "Wait a minute, this is just some guy from Jersey that we picked up off the turnpike." <laughs> um, I still think that he's like really hamming it up, like he's putting it on to make himself seem like more than he is. 
Hmm, Maybe he does have an accent. Maybe he is like Paolo. But I think that he's turning it up to like 20. I think the actor is, not the character. We've kind of switched spots because often I'll watch a movie like this and think like, oh, no, they're being ironic. And you're like, there's no irony in this movie. (laughs) But now you think there is. Interesting. (laughs) Slowly turning into you. Yeah. Yeah, your beard's coming in nicely. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a beard. (laughs) I appreciated what he was doing, though, because I thought I would have enjoyed if more of the characters really went for it like he did. He wasn't great, but he was going for it, and I appreciate that at least. Yeah, I I thought that that would be where they would put more funny things in, especially because they're Mia is kind of at their mercy at that point. Mm-hmm. So if they do something funny in hijinxy, it's like... Remember when he sees her and shrieks in terror? Yeah. He's like, oh my god, curly hair! <laughs> He's frightened of her. She's so grotesque, this Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Beautiful Anne Hathaway. So this character of Mia, did you relate to her? Did you see yourself as a Mia type? Um, I think... Especially when I first read and saw this, this I was I was very awkward, and I think you're just fifteen. Yeah. So you're that's kind of built in awkwardness. Yes, for sure. But I uh, definitely felt the things that she feels in this movie of like not fitting in and not being stylish and cool and seeming having it seem like Lana and her gang of girls are just like effortlessly cool and it just comes to them. I would have assumed you were more of a Lana type. I was not. You were Miss Cheerleader. I was only a cheerleader in high school. Oh, so 17 year old you was Alana. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay those two years you went yeah. from a mia to alana i did wow as all girls do <laughs> <laughs> i don't know about that i don't think that's the case i think there's a lot of mias out there and that's okay oh thank you <laughs> they all i thank you be on behalf of all of the mias that you uh Uh, permit their uh, existence oh my god you're making me sound really bad again (laughs) you're the one that said you were a total lana i was in high school yeah oh were you mean no you're like a nice lana yeah i just had nice hair i figured out the hair thing and makeup and as we know that's all that it takes to make you a good person very true very true so really i just became after mia so mia is uh so nervous that she can't make a speech she throws up but she also can just like wisecrack real quick yeah and she's so awkward and gawky that she's falling off of everything and she can't hit a baseball also she's a professional rock climber yeah she works at a rock climbing gym yes that seems like an odd choice yeah it does To go out of your way to say this person is the least athletic person ever. Oh, what's their job? Oh, they work in a rock climbing gym. I think that's just a different set of skills. True. Yeah, I'm not saying that being a good rock climber makes you good at baseball. That's clearly not the case. (laughs) It's the opposite of What I'm saying is her defining characteristic is awkwardness. True. So it seems like an odd choice to make her like hobby and profession something that takes coordination. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Okay. It's just an odd, like an odd choice. When that scene happened, I didn't even realize that that was her job. I thought even without the 
rock climbing part of it, it was such an awkward scene. It didn't need to be in the movie at all. I said to you, like, why are they doing this right yeah, now? Yeah, you were like, why was that scene there? And I agree with you. I think that could have been at home. It could have been, like, send them out for dinner. Like, Do something that accentuates what you were trying to make this character. Mm-hmm. Because if you're trying to show that she's, like, multifaceted and not one thing, this is your only time where you try to show that. The rest of the time you're trying to say that she is only one thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's muddled. I agree. Should we talk about Mia's best friend, Lily Moskowitz? Oh, Lily. I know you have some things to say about her. She's a fucking jerk. Yeah, she is. She's an asshole, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she is. And Mia should have better friends. So now, since you're thinking a lot of this movie might be more self-referential than I assumed it was, do you think... We are not not supposed to like Lily? Because I think she's supposed to be likable, but she just isn't. Yeah, I think that the writing for the movie and the way that it's acted definitely makes her more of a jerk than she was in the books. I, I don't think that they did any good by writing and directing her that way. Because from my understanding, Mia also in the novels was a much more um, opinionated, strong-willed character yes. than she is here. Yeah. And she was kind of fighting some of the makeover, and she's like a, a passionate vegetarian, things like that, which they glossed over yes. or just cut out completely in the book or in the movie. So then Lily maybe seems more harsh because we don't have that more balanced take of Mia. True. I think that's very true. Um, yeah, because their their characters are different. Um, and I like what you said about balance because she definitely is too meek to Lily's like crazy over the top opinionated self. Right after she gets her makeover, Mia gets her makeover, Lily is so mean to her. That was very mean, yes. But that does happen in the book. In this one, it seemed to come out of nowhere a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think... I assume that in the book, there is more talk about those pretty girls over there yes. and we're different and we're like solidarity between us because we'll never be like mm-hmm. that. Then it doesn't come across in the movie. I think you can project it upon the movie and the like assume that these characters believe those things, but yeah. it's never clear. That's why I'm saying like a lot of this movie, the choices aren't strong to build these characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could have had scenes with the uh, the bullies and have some conversation between the two best friends about why they don't want to be like that. And then maybe her reaction would seem like it's coming from somewhere, like coming from a sense of betrayal because yeah. she feels like Mia's leaving her behind and joining them. Yes. Which if I like look into it, I can kind of see that. Yeah. But you have to do a lot of digging to see it in the movie version. Um, I definitely think uh, that they cut out the way that the book communicates Mia's kind of backstory and her interaction with Lana, because there's more of that because the book is literally her diary. Right. So you get her thoughts and feelings about everything that's happening, whereas with the movie, it's not really her diary until the end. Mm -hmm. So you don't get those like kind of intimate thoughts you're left to kind of figure that out on your own and i think that's something that the movie 
uh, like lost was that like inference of how Mia feels to go to that high school and to be kind of, I think she's like kind of bullied by Lana and them and like more than she is in the movie and more off the bat. Yeah, because in the movie, if it had some sort of maybe voiceover, then we would have that direct line Mm -hmm. to what she's thinking like you do in the books. Yes. But in this, we just have to see what's happening on screen. And the bullying here is like comically over the top and terrible, of course, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem as rooted in reality. So I don't follow along with Lily's journey about like feeling that Mia is betraying her by looking this way. Mm -hmm. It just comes off as that she's a jerk. Yeah. And she also does that bit about like, oh, just get over your dead dad already. It's been two months. That was the worst. Yeah, that's pretty rough. And that's just a throwaway line for the movie. Yeah. Which is like too much. Have you seen the movie Saved? Yes. Isn't it her in that as well? The Mandy Moore? Well, both Lily and Lana, I think, are both in Saved, playing the same characters. Are they? It, I seem to remember that. Yeah, kind of basically. I think I like Saved better. <laughs> I haven't seen it in probably like 15 years. I think Saved is the kind of ironic take on a lot of these sort of things, oh. but without the whole Pygmalion makeover thing. Right. Also, the actor who plays Lily... I thought she was just bad, too. And it's, I don't want to say that because she's like a kid, mm-hmm. right? But I couldn't understand her a lot of the time. She spoke without punctuation, you said at one point. Yeah, she just says the words and puts pauses in arbitrarily, not yes. when there's periods or commas. Yeah. She was also ADR'd a lot, so it must have been um, ADR for those of you. In case you're not uh, aware, you gave me a look, so I thought I should explain it. <laughs> It's when you uh, dub over your lines or add things in after the fact, like your audio isn't recorded then. And that seemed to happen quite a few times with her. So I'm wondering if they had trouble just her getting those lines out. Maybe. Maybe it was new braces or something. I don't know. (laughs) But she was, I thought, not great here. Yeah, I definitely think uh, I want to see her in something else. And maybe it'll be me rewatching Saved because... I haven't seen that in forever, and I remember liking it. I definitely think that she may just be better later on in her career. Well, she got this big-budget Disney movie. She must have been doing pretty okay for herself. True. Very true. Um, Should we talk about Lana and the Lynettes? Oh, yes, (laughs) please. Lana and Fontana. Fontana? Vontana. Vontana. I've never heard that name. Yeah, me neither. I don't I don't actually think it's a name. So if you recall last episode, I said, I think this will happen. And I was, what, 99% correct? Like, you're really correct. Yeah, you were. That's why I refused to comment on it. Because I didn't want to, like, lie to you. Because you've, you've called me out for that. <laughs> you did that before. I called everything yeah. right. And then you said, that's not what happens. You Dummy. I never said you dummy. He was implied with no, your eyes. No, I was not. See those eyes right there? I'm those not the making any eyes. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, given the nature of this movie and Anne Hathaway being the lead, I assumed that Mandy Moore would have to be some sort of bully figure, and that yeah. was the case. Um, she does it well. I think she was good. I think the lines she was working with were pretty rough. Yeah. 
but she did fine. Um, I like seeing Mandy more at this age. Um, I've watched her in a lot of things kind of recently, and I really enjoy her, like, later music. Um, and so I like seeing her at this age because this is, like, peak Mandy Moore. This is, like, her in the middle of her pop career, and she's at her, like, most popular. I don't know much late Mandy Moore, and I don't know her music at all, She's more, like, folky and melodic now oh that sounds nice it, you'd probably like it it's it's very like soothing and she's like she's a very good songwriter and um i think that it's a completely different artist from this like girl on the stage singing stupid cupid oh, another connie francis hit <laughs> I only knew Mandy Moore from Saved and as uh, the dumpster girl from Snowflake Day. What's the dumpster girl from Snowflake Day? Oh, she plays a girl who lives in a dumpster on the, I think it's Snowflake Day, the, the that holiday in winter that's non-denominational. What? There's a bunch of clones in it. Some one person out there will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> be like, yeah, that was really good. Will it be Galen? I don't know if you'll listen to this. <laughs> So should we talk about the Coppola in the movie? The Schwartzman. Yes. It's odd that you said like, oh, and he's kind of related to the Coppolas instead of saying, oh, it's Jason Schwartzman's little brother. Yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about like... The Schwartzmans, the Coppolas, yeah. the Shires. Shires? Talia Shire. Talia Shire. That one. Okay. I'm not sure which one it is. But yeah. Uh, so Michael Moskowitz. Again, this is just one that it wasn't clear what they were going for until yeah. later in the movie. The first time you see him, he looks at Mia and I said, oh, that's going to be the love interest. And it, it's clear. So it's not like it's hidden, but it wasn't clear what their arc or their story was. Mm-hmm. It was like they both kind of knew each other and then he liked her but didn't say anything. And then he liked her and did say something. Is that the arc? I think so. Um, not a great arc. So in the book, he's supposed to be like two years older, um, and he's a senior, and he goes off to college, I think, in like the second or the third book. So it's a little bit more like forbidden romance because he's so much older than Mia. And oh, that's I don't like that. Not like gross older, but like there, two a- years is uh, it's both not unreasonable, but seems like a big difference when you're like when 16. you're in high school yeah. for sure, and that's part of her struggle too, right? Because she's like, well, he's my best friend's brother, and he's also like way older, so why would he be interested in me? Because I'm just like two years younger than him and uh she worries that he's gonna go away to school and she'll never see him and he's a lot more um like introvert so she thinks he's like dark and brooding and like mysterious also unclear if he's supposed to be like a cool musician or if he's like a loser or if he's a loner if he's just a brooding handsome guy it's not clear how this world perceives him. Mm-hmm. And as we know of um, Anne Hathaway being regarded as just like a disgusting human, their perception is not the same as ours. So I'm not sure what we're supposed to think of him. What is he supposed to be in the movie? In the movie, it's very hard to tell because he does seem to have like a coolness that he doesn't have in the books. So... I think, yeah, they needed to kind of pick one thing and stick to it um, because he was a little all over the place. 
Because just if at the beginning you have him kind of pining over her and her being oblivious because she's into that like douchebag guy, Mm -hmm. that's not an original arc, but it is an arc. Yeah. So then when he has the courage to say something to her, like he's overcome something. There you go. That's enough for to appease me in a movie like this. But they don't even do that much. Yeah. It was just they didn't choose either way. They just kind of played a lot of things middle of the road and just figured like, oh, you know these movies, so you know what to do with it. And they kind of put the onus on us to imbue them with these qualities and rather than doing it in the movie. Right. Yeah, I think... That could have been a little bit more clear. Like lots of things in this movie, mm-hmm. they feel like they did about 60% of the work. Just make everything bigger. Yeah. Just go for it. Go ahead. You're doing a silly, fun movie. Make it sillier and make it more fun. I think you might like the second one better. Oh, is that what we're doing next? It's got Chris Pine in it. Oh, young Chris Pine. Young Chris Pine. Um, so Who's that, Captain Kirk? I think so, yeah. I, can't, I get all the Hollywood Chris's mixed up. Me too. Especially since so many of them are in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> I think Chris Pine is my favorite Chris, though. Oh, I like um, Thor. Isn't he a Chris? Hemsworth? Is that Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's a close second for me. I like him better. Yeah. What's the other Chris? Uh, Captain America, isn't he one? And then there's Star-Lord. Oh, my God. Why do they only hire guys named Chris? Is Captain America a Chris? Um, I don't actually know. I'm what gonna his look name it is. up now because now I'm gonna wonder who. And he was also the old Human Torch, so it's like double Marvel. And then Chris Pine is also in DC in the Wonder Woman stuff. And I think Thor. Oh yeah, Chris Evans. Thor may have played Captain Kirk's dad in that one too. So they're both Star Trek as well. Is that true? That can't be right. But let's move on because this isn't our other podcast, Keeping Up with the Chris's, which you can listen to every Tuesday. My book club had a uh, full day long conversation about which Chris was the best Chris. Um, Okay, so what were we talking about? Oh, the love interest and uh, why he has M&Ms on his keyboard. Yeah, that was that seemed so cool when I was 14. You know what I was about to say is like, (laughs) If you were 14, you'd be like, oh, he's cool and quirky, but it's dumb. It is dumb as an adult. <laughs> it's so dumb as an adult. Why wouldn't he eat them? If it's like, Well, he does oh, eat he... them at the end of the song. Put them in a fucking bag. Put them in your pocket. <laughs> what? No, he's playing piano. He's getting really hot. They just melt into his pocket. They melt in your mouth, not in your hands. That's what Eminem's slogan is. Really? Yeah. So this might all be wrong. <laughs> But I have a feeling it's right. I think M&M's were developed for the military because they would often carry chocolate with them, but chocolate, uh, just as it is, would melt. So they put this hard candy coating on it so it would not melt, and then they could still eat their delicious chocolates. Okay, fact checkers for the podcast, I want to know if this is true, because that is a great story, and I love it. Samantha will never check, so she'll never know. (laughs) No, I will. I don't think you will. I will. I say things like this to you daily. You never question them. Maybe Um, I'm lying all the time. I think you might be. No, I'm never lying. If I lie, I admit it right away. And therefore, it's not lying. It's joking. (laughs) That's what I hold to. If you admit it within a minute, then you're not lying. You're joking. Okay. I think that's fair. Is that the rule? Yeah, that's a rule. I read that rule. Just kidding. I didn't. See? Joking. 
Um, should we move on from him? Yeah, let's talk about the other love interest in the movie, Josh Bryant. I don't know. I don't have too much to say. He was um, like a douchey surfer guy. He yeah. did that all right. It was he played it very big, like Paolo big. Yeah. Which maybe would be all right in um, in Bring It On. Yeah. Because that's a bigger, more characterized char- movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one, only like a third of the cast did that. So it seemed yeah. maybe a little too big, but I don't know. I liked what he was doing. I hated him. So that's good because you think you're supposed to. He really leaned into the role and oh, he yeah. did a very good job. He was like probably one of the best performances for me. Whoa. Not like the best, but he's definitely like top 10. Top 10 in a movie <laughs> with like 14 people. I'll give you, I concur. <laughs> What I'm saying is I... You liked him. I liked him. That's fair. Maybe I'm taking this, like, it's the hottest summer ever thing too far now. (laughs) I need to tone it back again. Yeah, he he was good. He had fun with it. He did. And And it was exactly what you needed in that character. Yeah. Because he's not someone that we need a lot of character development for because he's mostly, like, the hair and the tan, right? Like... I, I totally agree, and I like that he went big, but wouldn't it have been a more interesting movie if through the first half he's just like a handsome guy that's aloof and yeah. we don't know about him, and then we wouldn't feel weird about Mia being in love with him? Because he's terrible. She knows he's terrible and still loves him. Yeah, she, in the books, she like idolizes him and doesn't really see past her like... <laughs> quiet love for him Mm -hmm. um whereas in this movie yeah she does notice a lot more of his bad things because we don't have that internal monologue we only have what is on screen and he's terrible on screen so then it feels weird that she's still in love with him like if he were more quiet through the first half Mm -hmm. and just associated with the bad people Mm -hmm. with the bullies we could see where she's coming from and then it would be more of a journey when she realizes that he is an asshole and then like realizes that looks aren't everything and uh, moves on but she always knew he was but then as soon as it's like more directed at at her then she's like yeah yeah so, again, it's just a little bit uh We unclear. lose the infatuation that she has with him because we only really get that one or two moments of her, like, daydreaming about it. Whereas in the book, you get an entry, multiple entries a day, and sometimes they're just all about him. And so you really get to know that she's, like, she's in it deep. I think that would help us see him through her perspective, which you don't get here. You only get this objective camera, and he seems to be irredeemable. Yes. So it's it's a confusing thing to have her love him. Yeah. I think they needed to structure this movie a little bit differently. Yeah, and you made a point of saying it doesn't lag at all. It's two hours, but it's quick. I disagree. I oh, think really? there are many scenes that could have been cut out of this movie. There's so much of the school stuff that means nothing. It doesn't help at all. It just goes to show that like the bullies are bullies. And like, yeah, we got that after one. I don't know why we had to keep going back to it. <laughs> and like, oh, she's clumsy. Here's her being clumsy here. Here's her being clumsy on a baseball diamond. How about on a bench? It just uh, reiterated the things we knew, but didn't provide any sort of nuance to them or like new information. Right. Which I felt I needed because there wasn't a whole lot to go on. It's just the same things over and over again. Very true. 
But when I was 14, I didn't think that. That's fair. <laughs> Maybe I should do my favorite movie when I was 14. Sure. There was... Is it Mac and Me? No, I actually... Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> that came later. <laughs> I loved both um, Menace to Society and Clockers. I have never heard of either of those. Clockers is a Spike Lee movie. They're, I want to watch both of them actually now and see if I still love them. Hmm. Clockers I thought was amazing. It was heartbreaking, but it was so good. And Minister Society. Well, maybe we should do that. It was when I, I can like track my favorite movies. It was Ninja Turtles for a good while. Yeah. Because, you know, I was like five, six when it came out. Yeah. Then I got into Top Gun for a while. <laughs> As like a seven, eight year old, I loved Top Gun. Really? Yeah. Eight-year-old planes and stuff? That's I guess. Yeah, cool. that makes sense. I was also a big Righteous Brothers fan, so that worked out. Really? Maybe. I think because of Top Gun. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I just that it was way. like your seven-year-old self was just like, Mom, put the Righteous Brothers on. <laughs> uh, so should we talk about Sandra Oh for a minute? Yes, please. Principal Gupta. Vice Principal Gupta. Sorry, Vice Gupta. Gupta. So first question did they write the role for an Indian woman and then they're like, Chinese is close enough? I don't know. Or like, of course, she could be married to someone yeah. with a, that name. But given other choices that this movie made, I feel like they're like, whatever. One brown's as good as another. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I could see it going either way. Sandra O. Oh. Very good actress. Talented woman. Super talented. I've seen her. Let me preface so the terrible things, things I'm gonna say with very talented. Yes. She gave a performance that was akin to an extra who finally gets one line and they've been waiting twenty-three years of like waiting tables to just get this one line and they're <laughs> gonna fucking give it everything. Yeah. That's what she's do- doing in this. And it was bizarre. It is bizarre. I don't know what movie she thought she was in. <laughs> it wasn't this one. But maybe if everyone was bigger, it wouldn't seem so crazy. But she was, like, doing silent film type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, she was going way too hard. It was like a Three Stooges skit with her. Also, why isn't she just the principal? That's a, just a weird little thing. I guess it doesn't matter. It doesn't. But what did you think about her? Um, She definitely... Uh, is going for something like you said she's really going for something it's too much for me and it is a little sad to see sandra oh who we know from other things where she's incredible so i think it's a character from the book that they were like oh we're just gonna jazz it up a little I'm at a loss for words as to what was happening there. <laughs> Maybe she has a funny story about what happened, but like I did this one movie where after the takes we got, they'd always say, uh, the director said like, do like a big silly one. And then I do something wacky. And it's just like, just for fun. Cause I like, I, it's fun to do those types of things. Yeah. And then um, I'm not involved in editing. And then I see the movie and they took all the wacky ones. Really? So then I have this performance. It's like, I did not give that performance, but I guess I kind of did. Yeah. So maybe that's what happened here. I think they must have told Sandra Oh that it's a silent film and it's theater and she's in the back of the stage. <laughs> So that's why she's going so big. She, yeah, she's really emoting to yeah. try and make it to the front of the stage. I could hear her emote facially. <laughs> her facial emotions. 
Okay, so maybe we should talk about Joe. Joe, my boy, Hector Elizondo. Yeah. Hector Elizondo plays the same role in Pretty Woman. Have you seen Pretty Woman? No. Man, we should watch Pretty Woman. I, again, probably shouldn't be something I was watching. When I was like 16, I thought Pretty Woman was fantastic. Really? It might still be very good. Oh. But so many of these characters are in it, and Hector Elizondo plays the one person from uh, this world that Julia Roberts is being thrust into that shows her respect and kindness while everyone else is very mean and harsh to her. Right. So the same role. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he's good at it. He is. He's... He plays such a good, like, stern on the outside, soft on the inside guy. Yeah. I thought he was great. He might have been my favorite performance. Probably not my favorite character because he doesn't have enough to do, really. Right. But yes. I think he was solid. But he definitely um, he definitely serves a purpose. Yes. Um, and he serves that purpose really well and, like, seamlessly. Yeah, he does what a great supporting actor should do. He does his work, doesn't detract from the main mm-hmm. story, and adds to it where he can. Like, sure, he doesn't have this big arc of his own, but he's in service of the main plot better than most of the other side characters are. True. Very true. And, like, didn't you want, like, a Joe in your life? Who doesn't? I think that he, yeah, he played that character very well. It made you instantly love him. And um, he never has a moment where he's mean. Yeah. He is sometimes stern with them. Uh, he's sometimes kind of like, he he has a tone. There's one point in the movie where he's like, maybe if there are no more passengers, we can close the door. <laughs> but he does it in a way that is still like soft and friendly and like appropriate way to talk to children. Yeah, he's stern but kind. Yes. And I appreciate that. He was definitely one of my favorite people in this movie. He knew what he was going for and did it. Yes. While a lot of the other performances are confused. Yeah. He is a very carved out role. Because Elizondo, you know what he is? Fucking professional. Oh. Yeah. So the final person that we should talk about is Queen Clarice Rinaldi. Mary Poppins herself. Yeah. Maria from Sound of Music. Uh, I love Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews is probably one of my favorite childhood actors. That makes sense. She's done like so many great movies that, especially if you're like theatrically inclined, yes. you're really going to love. Yeah, like I love Sound of Music. Um, it was something that I watched as a child over and over and over again. And um, I still continue to watch to this day. Yeah, it is my third favorite Nazi-based musical. Oh my god. <laughs> um, I would put the producers in there too. Producer's the second. Oh, it's your second? Cabaret first. Mm, You know what? Switch it. Um, Cabaret, Sound of Music producers. Oh, okay. Um, I got to see producers on Broadway, and it was incredible. Back to Julie Andrews, (laughs) who is not in uh, the producers. (laughs) So, Queen Clarice, what did you think of her? What was your initial impression? This is another one where I don't think it went far enough either way. Of course, Julie Andrews was great. She commands the screen when she's on mm-hmm. there. But I think she should have come out as a uh, harsher role model or like trainer or whatever mm-hmm. she is at the beginning. 
And then when we have that uh, bit where she's um, warming up to her and when she goes on that day out doing uh, all of Mia's stuff. Yes. That's a great scene. That's a great sequence. Maybe one of the best parts of the movie, I thought. Yeah, it was fun. But it would have been so much more rewarding if they were more at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, of course they were, but I thought Queen Clarice was nice the whole time. Like, sure, she's like prim and proper and doesn't... uh, exude warmth yes but i think it would have been more effective if she was very cold and very strong-willed right from the beginning Mm -hmm. and then when we see her gradually warm up it's that much more rewarding and we're kind of going on this journey with mia and it's just another element to show like the odds against mia yes and i think that would have been much more effective than just having her be like kind of nice yeah yeah for sure um, I'm just going to keep saying it, but in the book, she definitely has that arc. They should have just held to the book, then, it seems like. I know, they should have. I think that's very telling when someone like me who, sure, not in love with a lot of movies like this, but I feel like I know plot structure. Yeah. If I'm saying they should do this, and you're always going, oh yeah, they did that in the book. If they had the source material that had yes. it, they clearly had talented people working on this. Uh, directing i don't know who the screenwriters in that were but they it's a disney movie you're gonna have some talent i don't see why they couldn't have made these choices choices that were already made for them yeah yeah and because it's like a six or seven book series like there's a lot of source material to pull from is this like mashing a bunch of books down this is the first book oh okay so then there's no excuse yeah the second movie is like way farther down um in the book lines because she's like an adult um and there is quite a few of the first couple books are like her in high school still okay and it's a lot more back and forth and like on again off again stuff so um this second movie i think is more like six and seven okay um whereas this one is is just the first book And there's so much room to put those things in because I did feel like a lot of those school scenes were completely unnecessary. Yeah. And they really wasted an opportunity with the whole training stuff. If they had her be like more strict and play that to uh, comedic effect, and then you'd have the irony of uh, former Eliza Doolittle because uh, Julie Andrews played uh, Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady in everything except the movie, Yeah, which was a big thing. And then... They didn't give the Oscar to Audrey Hepburn because she didn't sing, but she could have sang. She thought she was singing, but I'll defend Audrey Hepburn later. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, they wasted the opportunity to have Eliza Doolittle turn into the Henry Higgins and do the training of um, of Anne Hathaway. Yes. That would have been so fun. They could have even like made a few little references yes, to it. Yes, yeah, played up. And just have that dynamic, the Higgins-Doolittle dynamic where she is like, in pain going through this training Mm -hmm. it would have been funny because Anne Hathaway demonstrates at a young age in this she has comedic timing Mm -hmm. she's good at that physical comedy yes I think there's just it's just a wasted opportunity those could have been some really funny scenes and really charming scenes and if they were more harsh it would only make her warming up to her seem that much more fulfilling Mm -hmm. oh here's a fun fact about the movie uh, Fat Louie is Anne Hathaway's pet in real life. Oh, Fat Louie, like I said, was my favorite character. I think 
Fat Louie at the end with the tiara on. That was gold. Amazing. (laughs) I love Fat Louie. And then my second favorite character, I think, was Mr. Robitassin. Is that his name? Yes. That neighbor who is like a washed up old writer. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. They have these little funny one-offs that seem from a different movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, don't put those in. I want more of that wackiness, I think. Yeah. My other favorite character was in the um, dinner sequence. There's a man who's like a shorter, balder East Asian man who's next to the queen. Yes, the stern looking one, yeah. He's kind of like a clueless kind of guy that things happen and he just kind of like reacts to them. He was brilliant. Oh, that was so funny. That was the funniest stuff in the movie. Also, like when Queen Clarice is looking at the pictures of the guy on the other side of her, of his kids, and then she asks if the Chinese guy wants to look at them. And he's like, no. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's such a like, that's the response that everyone wishes that they could give yeah. in that situation. And there was some sequence when things are flying all over the place because mm-hmm. Mia's tripping and stuff. And food somehow like bounces off a wall and lands on his plate. And he just looks up. Trying to think of yeah. see where the food came from and can't figure it out. And is just like quietly impressed and then continues yeah. eating. That guy was good. He was very good. He was very good. I enjoyed him a lot. Also in that scene, there's the uh, second role that Sikh men are allowed to have in movies in the 2000s. You can either be... Oh, no, you can get three. We get three roles. We can be cab drivers. Uh-huh. Oh, no, four. Convenience store workers. Uh-huh. Uh, terrorists because they can't tell which kind of turban means what. Right. And in there, when there's a scene of people from around the world at a fancy ball, yeah. they put one guy in a turban and they're like, look, international. Yeah. So there was one guy in this and it's like, oh, that's the role I could have played. <laughs> that's very true, though. It's um, funny to see all of the different cultures they tried to smash in there into some of those ball scenes because um, it's very clearly them just trying to show diversity. Yeah. And not doing the best job of it. Also, like, the entire royal court of Genovia flew to San Francisco. Who was in Genovia? That country, I don't know how they run things over there. So if your princess just doesn't want to do it, you go out of business? They kind of, like, made it sound like it's a business. (laughs) They explained that poorly. But it sounds like that bloodline no longer has the throne, and it goes to the next cousins, which would have been the Baron von Troken or whatever. Yes, and we can tell they're bad. You know how? Because they look crazy. Because they're ugly. Mm. And we've learned the biggest sin is ugliness. Um, One of my favorite scenes in the movie and it has like such a double meaning that I don't think I got when I was 14 but that was when the prime minister stood up and did a toast to the baron and the baroness and said may you always be baron yeah that was funny (laughs) (laughs) and you can see the the actors both thinking like is this an insult (laughs) um I enjoyed the prime minister and his wife as well Oh, yeah, they were kind of funny. They were fun. They seemed nice. They yeah. seemed... And how the Prime Minister gets up and sings the National Anthem. Yes, okay, that National Anthem is amazing. I enjoyed it. If we watch the second one, you'll get to hear it in all its glory, and it actually works really well. And then they eat ice cream out of sympathy at that one point? Yeah. I think it's trying to make the Prime Minister and his wife 
like seem non noble, like they're normal people, so they're still trying to like learn all the customs of dining with royalty. Right. And I liked that. I appreciated that not everyone was like the von Trappins or whatever their name was. Trokin? Von Trokin. I don't know. Um when they weren't all snooty and like uppity. The reporters in this world are the worst reporters ever. So, like, the first question when they find out, like, what? You're going to be a princess? Who's your favorite actor? Yeah. That was the first question. And I love when they shout to the surfer guy, give her a big sloppy long one. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I, I didn't like the central problem of this movie. No, I like the... That should I be a princess or not the makeover part? That's all fine, and I like that. But them manufacturing all this uh, paparazzi stuff and having the bullies like pull up a tent so you can see her naked, having that guy like forcibly kiss her and rub his feet, all of that I had no interest in. I think it detracted from the like actual story that I wanted to see about Mia becoming the princess. Yeah, I agree that um that could have just all been skipped what do we learn from all of that we don't learn anything about anyone we knew the bullies were bullies we knew the press is bad it would have been better if um rather than her accidentally kind of wronging her friend and a guy who's interested in her but she didn't know it like if she did go in with that crowd Mm -hmm. and then realized that they were bad yeah they just didn't go far enough into anything. So even in her standing up the supposed nice guy, it didn't seem like a big deal to me because she goes and watches him like pretty much every week. Yeah. It didn't seem like a special date. And she asked, didn't she? Is like, this is this a, a date? date? And he said, no. That's what I was thinking when we were watching it. Cause she's like, did the thing that you're supposed to do when you're like kind of vague about an invite you're like is this a date and he says no it's just hanging out so then yeah i would feel okay to cancel too yeah if someone else is asking you on a date and you go watch this guy in his mechanic garage play every week yeah take a night off no big deal she did cancel on her friend without telling her though so that's that's kind of a shitty part that was shitty and i didn't enjoy that but at least that's something that's a learning experience yes. and she grows from. They needed more of that. She should have done more wrong or done something that she has to like make amends for and learn and grow from. But there just wasn't much of that. We have the bullies were mean to her and she realizes, hey, those people that I hated this whole time, I still hate them. Yeah. like There wasn't much need for all of that. There were just a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about regarding the book, because I think you, even though it was a long time ago, you might know, like we talked about how Book Mia was more complex and maybe a Mm -hmm. stronger willed character than this one. Yes. But there is side characters that I looked at in the book that no longer exist. And let's see if you can find out what all of these characters have in common that have been replaced. There's Shamika Taylor, Ling Su, and... Tina Hakim Baba. They took out all the colored people. Yeah. That's why I said them just making Gupta Chinese because eh, what's they're all the same to us. Yeah. That doesn't seem that far-fetched when the only characters you took out are those ones. That's uh, It's pretty easy to put some of those side characters in at a school. Yeah, for sure. Especially with the amount of time that we spend at the school. Yeah, unnecessarily. That school. 
I don't understand how this school works. Right. You have the same group of people if you're playing baseball or if you're doing debate and you just kind of like all move in a group. You're in the same room and they're like, okay, now let's play baseball. <laughs> and then you have like teenage boys and teenage girls playing baseball against each other and debating each other. And everyone that goes to that school is like a side character from West Side Story. Because whenever somebody's talking, they all like jump behind them and are like, yeah, and like posing and stuff. Like they're doing publicity stills for a musical. <laughs> it's a strange, strange world they live in. And this there. school is a magical school, but not like Hogwarts. It's just a strange combination of musical and perplexing. I like how they do grading in uh, their gym class because if you strike out, you fail. <laughs> It's completely performance-based. Yeah. Yeah. And you only have to catch a ball once to pass. Yeah. <laughs> if you hit this ball, you pass. If you don't, you fail. You're like, okay, well. Gym was like participation-based, right? Yeah. Not your skill at sports. You can't. I would have loved if they did it the other <laughs> way, but you can't do that. No. Because I would have failed. I would have failed gym all the time because I am not good at gym. Also, their gym class had cheerleaders. So you could have been one of the cheerleaders that cheers on. Uh, that is how I passed gym, uh, was that I did cheer gym. Because we had our own gym at my high school. Uh, so we could have our own class off to the side away from all the regular gym. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's how I passed uh, when everyone else was playing baseball. I just cheered them on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually with the other cheerleaders doing cheer gym. <laughs> Another funny little thing that I'm... 80% sure is correct, is in the sequence at the dinner, a part of her food goes flying and an old man catches it and says, happens all the time. That is not correct. Uh, she clinks on her glass and breaks it. Okay. And, she says, and then she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and he says it happens he says, all the time. Yeah, which is a same guy from Pretty Woman. Yeah, so in Pretty Woman, she's eating like a big snail. It goes flying and he catches it and goes, it happens all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, same guy. There's a lot of Pretty Woman in That's this movie. That's so strange. But Pretty Woman is, is quite good. But it's the same director, right? Yeah. So he just brought in some actors for, like, bit parts. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Marshall is great. Is like, he? I Oh, I love Gary Marshall. I feel like I should have a Gary Marshall impression. <laughs> he's, like, one of those guys, like, if you, you've probably seen him and don't know that he's the same director because he actually has more acting roles than really? he does um, directing. But he did do a lot of those shitty, shitty movies at the end of his career. The, like, New Year's Day, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. And those are all garbage. I hate them so much. Right. But Gary Marshall is is quite good. And there's some other movies he did that I loved more than Pretty Woman. But now I can't think of what they are. He's also uh, Penny Marshall's brother. Oh. Who directed A League of Their Own, which we did an episode on a while back. Check it out. But there's a lot of Pretty Woman references, which was fun. Um, I just looked up a picture of him and I do recognize him from, from movies. And you can hear his voice, right? I'm pretty sure I can, yeah. See, I can't do that voice. If I do it, it kind of sounds racist, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> oh, he's not alive anymore. No. Oh. I think he died a few years ago. In uh, 2016, yeah. Yeah, and his last stuff was garbage, which is a shame. Yeah. Those movies, those day movies are so bad. They're like... American Love Actuallys. Have you seen any of those? Oh, oh like Valentine's Day, yeah. New Year's Day. Yeah, yeah. I've seen them. So bad. They're so bad. 
They're like, let's jam pack as many stars as we can into one movie. And just have one quick, terrible storyline for each of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Love Actually. Like Love Actually. Ugh, Love Actually. We did a good episode on that. We Go did. back and listen to it. That's one that we have like the most people commenting about too. Is like, you didn't love Love Actually? Or like, you guys are totally right. Love Actually is the worst. (laughs) So throughout this, you've been agreeing with me a lot. Yeah. So do you get what I meant when I said, I fear the more we talk about it, the less we'll like it? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, And that's a shame because... Because it's a fun movie to watch. And it's so close to being quite good. Yeah, yeah. But I just don't think they made the right choices in a lot of places. I think I still love it for partly a nostalgic value. Like, I love this book. I remember being so excited and telling my mom how excited I was that it was becoming a movie and that it was going to have Julie Andrews in it and like loving it when I got to see it and being so excited that there was a sequel. So like, I feel like some of my love is just like nostalgia for when I first saw this and loved it. Yeah. Ninja Turtles 2. Not good. I still love it though. Exactly. Exactly. But I do agree with you on most of your points. There's a ninja rap. (gasps) Can you do it? I can. Oh, maybe we'll, we'll do that at the end. I still love this movie. I do agree with you. It is flawed and it is of a time. Um, But I would say everyone should watch it. Yeah, I think the only way you might love this movie is if you just love that premise or if you saw it when it came out. I think it's going to be hard for you to go into it, watching it for the first time now and love it. True. I think you could watch it now and be like, oh, yeah, that was fun. It was cute. Yeah. But I I think it's going to be hard for this generation of kids to love it. Maybe there are a bunch of kids out there who are watching it for the first time and falling in love with it. I think Mm -hmm. it's possible. I know most of the like young teens I know, I don't think they would like it, which is. Yeah. It's like a younger movie. Mm hmm. I do love the the very beginning setup of why we don't know the husband because the mom wanted her to live like a nice normal life in a fire station that probably costs like $3 million in San Francisco. And go to private school. Just a nice normal life. But yeah, I think ultimately I can't give it like a hard recommendation. I think it's good in that it launched the career of Anne Hathaway, mm-hmm. who I do think is very charming. And I feel like her natural charisma that kind of borders on both charming and uh, relatable in her awkwardness. Uh-huh. She brings that through. And I think that's great for this movie because I don't think I would be able to watch it without her. Because she's like the the heart of the movie, right? Of yes, course. Of she's course. in um pretty much every scene. So if you had a less capable person in that role, it would be a bad movie. It would be a bad movie. But you have um, you have her coming from nowhere doing great. You have uh, like professionals like Julie Andrews and Hector Elizondo and then some like fun little side stuff yes. too. So that can carry you through. I do think it drags. I think there's too much of the school stuff. I think there's not enough of the interesting things. Like, ultimately, it's kind of a Pygmalion or a My Fair Lady that's uneven and can probably win over a lot of people of a certain age. That's just a bunch of, like, wish fulfillment of, I could be that, but I think that's not enough to sustain it, and it doesn't have um, enough extra to the the wish fulfillment of it. So I'm going to say it's 
it's fine. Give it a watch, but not one of my favorites, that's for sure. Um, Something I just looked up, if you want to listen to the books, Anne Hathaway has done an audiobook reading of them. Oh. Yeah, so you get to kind of have the continuity between the movie and the books. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to listen to that. Yeah. I just borrowed it, actually, because it's been years since I've listened to them. (laughs) (laughs) So, Indy, when we remember to do them, we like to give recommendations on if you liked this movie, you might also like another movie. So, do you have any recommendations for fans of this movie? Well, I think Pretty Woman is a adult better version of this movie, so that's definitely one. I think uh, My Fair Lady is the same story. It's Pygmalion all over again, mm-hmm. but I think that one's probably more acceptable to younger ages, and it holds up. It's hilarious. <laughs> My Fair Lady is so good still. But if you want just the um, the charm of Anne Hathaway, maybe go watch Ella Enchanted. That is a good one. Or um, is it Amy Adams or Rachel McAdams in Enchanted? It's Amy Adams. That one. Enchanted <laughs> is like a fun, charming movie, but it's like a, a twist on all of that kind of thing. Because so it's that's set good... in the real world, yeah. which is hilarious. And I think there's a sequel to that coming out. So those are my recommendations. What would you recommend to fans of princess diaries well andy yes as we've already talked about there is a sequel to this movie oh so indy we're gonna break protocol royal protocol oh and uh we are gonna skip the pre-episode for this and just do princess diaries too next week next week all right well you heard it here watch princess diaries 2 the reckoning and we're gonna talk <laughs> about it next week what's the subtitle to it um, Princess Diaries 2, The Royal Wedding. Oh, is that actually it? Yes. Oh. Um, so it is available on Disney Plus um, and probably at your local library. Nice. I Since we're not doing a pre-episode, I'm not going to do all my big predictions, but I predict there will be a royal wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. Uh, actually, I with the title, I think I can predict the whole plot, but I'm not going to because that's not fun for anyone except me. <laughs> And we want to thank our other sponsor this week, because this episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally focused podcasts, kind of like us, (laughs) all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Because we, of course, are based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are. So they publish all sorts of things, like there's a business roundup, a tech one, but I want to spotlight the arts roundup because that's kind of in line with Mm -hmm. what we are interested in. So they have a weekly arts roundup, and it gathers up what's happening locally in theater, dance, visual arts, literary stuff, and it's curated by Fonda Mithrush, who, can we say good friend of ours? Yes, even though we haven't met her in person. We've spoken to her a couple times. She's great. And she's a veteran of Edmonton's art scene and co-host of the I Don't Get It podcast, which is also here on the Alberta Podcast Network. So you can subscribe to the Arts Roundup or the tech or business ones all at the same place. And that is at taprootedmonton.ca. And next week, you can join us right back here where we will be discussing The Princess Diaries 2, Rise of the Blood Queen. Is that what it was? No. It's something like that. (laughs) Royal Wedding, Royal Wedding. Different. Um, We're going to talk about that next week, and we're going to do a full episode on it. We're doing a two-parter for Samantha. 
It'll be all spoilers, so make sure you watch Princess Diaries 2 by then. Or else you will not know what we're talking about. Or you can just tune in to listen to the sounds of our voices. I've heard we're very soothing to listen to. Are we? I doubt it. I would not want to listen to me. Um, My best friend Kim has been sending me messages because she's doing a full listen. Oh, wow. And she's watching all the movies, too. Oh, good on her. Yeah. So, Kim, if you've made it this far, good job. Well, if she's starting at the beginning, it's going to be a while before she gets here. Uh, so, she just future finished... Kim, good job. How about them flying cars? It's a shame we all have to work in the robot salt mines now, huh? <laughs> she's at Cheer. That's where she is in our, our library. So she's she's working her way through. Um, and uh, yeah, so we love our listeners. Give us give us some love on the social media. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, give us some money because you listen for free. <laughs> no. You freeloaders. <laughs> uh, give us some love on social media and tell us what your favorite movies we've done are. Or if you have any suggestions for future movies we should do. Mm-mm. I'm not taking your suggestions. Samantha might. I'm picking my movies. You can tell me to watch Rabbit Proof Fence all you want. I've seen it. It's good. I'm not talking about it. <laughs> not today, at least. That was targeted. <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of other ones as well. So Why don't you do The Warriors? I'm not doing The Warriors. <laughs> Maybe like season six, I'll get to The Warriors. Perfect. What are we, season three now? Yes. Yeah. So you can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should Too Dash Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ILTYS and the number two. You can email us your long form love letters at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. Or you can find us on the Alberta Podcast Network website. And be sure to uh, review us because I think we have one review ever. <laughs> Which I'm looking at you because it's not yours. Oh, okay. You better review us. I'm going to review you. All right. Well, until next time, all glory to Hypnotoad. I don't know who Hypnotoad is, but we will see you next week. Get your tiaras ready. Bye. <laughs>